You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. The sun is about one inch above the horizon, changing color. What shapes are the clouds? There's a donkey carrying two nuns and a beagle. <laughs> I have reserved a space for Nona in a long-term care facility. Get out of my house. You could have burned me! Get out! You're not taking her anywhere. Nona is my grandmother. She is going to live where people with training can take care of her. They're in love, Mom. I love my grandmother, too, and I... They're in love. They're... They're lesbians, Mom. Hello? Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just waiting for you to show up. We gotta run. Come on. Where are guns, We'll drive to Canada, and we'll get legally married. Maybe we could work at some sort of trial commitment. How about a hundred years? Six months. Seventy-five years. Five years. Thirty-one year trial commitment. And then we can see other people. They're looking for us, the police. They're paranoid. We should pick up this kid. Adding to our group will confuse anyone looking for two old broads. Pull up your pants, you're humping the wrong fire hydrant. Are you two running from the law? No. Awesome. Just open up the bag, sir. The drugs are these? Not mine. Mine. Your name is Dorothy? On weekends. Are you okay? Like that's the first time a finger's been up there, huh? I'm fine. Just want to put the whole thing behind me. The whole thing behind me. Stop. 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 Ain't life sweet. When we know what we're doing. I can't do it. Molly's right. I can't take care of Dottie anymore. We're not girls anymore, Stella. If I'm going to die in some nursing home somewhere alone, I want to die there as your wife. You know that in a million years, I could never, ever say no to you. listeners welcome to another episode this is gonna be a great one tonight uh mary's gonna be taking the controls of the show tonight and we are looking at the 2011 movie cloudburst it was my first time seeing it It was interesting to view this and it's going to be a really good discussion to talk all about it tonight so we have great crew as always to talk about it let's of course say hey to mary ogle hi everybody it's fantastic to be here and we also have Kieran Moffat. Welcome, friend. Hi, great to be here talking about something other than Doctor Who for once. Yes, for those <laughs> who don't listen to Earth Station Who. Wait, wait, there, there are other things? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Kieran um, comes to us from Australia. Want to say howdy to everybody? Yeah, hi. Um, it's lovely and sunny here while you guys are... We're in the know, dark. Yeah, you're in the dark. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we're going towards winter. He's going towards summer. So it's know. starting to get warm. It's up to 30 degrees today. So that's, that's Celsius for you guys. Yeah, like, say, <laughs> 30 is not, it's not warm here. So that's always a fun way. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. 
Howdy. How are you this week, my friend? Peachy King. All right. Let's get started with this one. We got a lot to talk about with this. So let's take it to the hostess for tonight. Mary Ogle, take over. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be here. Talk about Cloudburst, which is one of my favorite lesbian-centric movies uh, made back in 2011 by a Canadian filmmaker, Tom Fitzgerald, uh, based on his stage play. And uh, starring Olympia Dukakis and Brenda Fricker, both of whom are absolutely awesome and amazing in this. Yes, For are. them alone, it's worth oh, watching yeah. this movie. Oh, my God, the mouth on Olivia. On Olympia <laughs> is amazing, yeah. I know so many women <laughs> like like them. So many couples like them. It's very true to life. Uh, um, we should. I'm sorry, Mary. We should point out to people who are joining us that uh, we are going to be spoiling this, right? We are totally Jeff spoiling this. We sorry, are spoiling, totally spoiling the heck out of this. Absolutely. So if you haven't seen it, and you should... Um, because it's available on a couple of different streaming services, hmm. uh, no additional charge. Uh, check it out and then and then come back and and enjoy our discussion. Yeah, it's free Absolutely. on it's free on Hulu and it's also free on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you have no excuse not to watch it. Yeah, and you you can rent it almost anywhere, so for very low cost. So yeah, very easy to find. So let's let's talk just just start a little bit about just um, summing up the story, which is um, Stella and Dottie are an older lesbian couple living in Maine, and uh, Dottie's granddaughter, who is um, yeah, is a real piece of work. Oh, I tricks, want to strangle her! Oh my God! Tricks her into signing away her rights and uh, sends her away to a nursing home. And uh, Stella breaks Dottie out of the home. Stella and Dottie have been together for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Stella breaks Dottie out of the home, and they take off on a road trip to uh, get across the border into Canada because they can legally marry there. Uh, otherwise, Stella has no rights. Uh, along the way, they pick up Prentice, who is a hitchhiker, who's uh, trying to make his way home to visit his dying mother, and they all sort of bond along the way. It's a real road trip movie. And, uh, so. Yeah, and the stories are... that red pickup truck can tell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that had that thing had a lot of stories before they <laughs> ever went on the road trip. So yeah, so there's there's a lot going on in this movie. There's several different themes, uh, all of which are actually explored uh, pretty deeply and pretty well. Uh, one of the first ones we can talk about before we even get to them being lesbians, is how our culture treats elderly people, especially women, as if they were uh, particularly dull-witted children and completely ignore their own wishes. Uh, Dottie's granddaughter, Dottie is blind, but she she's uh, she's functioning. She's getting along. She has Stella to help her. Um, she's, she's, um, not disabled really. And, uh, her granddaughter, I think basically wants her house. And so tricks her into uh, signing away her rights and to send her off to the nursing home while completely ignoring the fact that she is in a long-term relationship with Stella. So what did you guys think about the issues surrounding, um, older people and how they are treated in our oh it was disgusting it really was disgusting i don't think she wanted the house 
I, 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 the way I read it, the way I thought it seemed to be coded was, it, it I mean, the, everything in this film is carefully, it's a plot device. Now, once you told me that it was a, um, a play, I'm like, oh, I, I see now, like, <laughs> it's, it's all allegory. Um, and it goes from yeah. scene to scene and a very much like a play. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, I think the granddaughter is there as the sort of, um, the granddaughter is the trope of you, you don't see what can't be there. So like, uh, Dottie is blind. So therefore she must be feeble. The granddaughter isn't malicious. She just thinks blind equals feeble. Um, old people, or sorry, should say older people. I don't want to <laughs> generalize here. Older yeah, they're people, old. They're in their eighties. Yeah, they're not allowed to be yeah. older. People are not allowed to be sexual. So therefore, they can't be seen as a couple. They can't be seen as a sexual couple because older people are not in society allowed to be sexualized. So they're they're, they're having this relationship, which is why the daughter can't, the granddaughter can't see it because it's something that can't possibly happen. Um, whereas everyone around her is just like, they've been together thirty years. They're, they're in a relationship. Why can't <laughs> you see this? Well, we also we also find out that uh, somewhat later in the in the movie, and I think almost too late. Like I think we it would have been nice to have this information a little bit sooner. But um, we also find out that they're not particularly close. Um, yeah. Like they don't. It's not like she comes and visits all the time. Um, and she has some deep seated resentment towards her because, you know, she left her father. Right. Uh, it's, it's intergenerational. Her, her trauma, grandfather. Well, no, grandfather. She, left, she left her grandfather. She left, yeah. yeah. She left her grandfather. Right. So, right. so she has some resentment there and she, obviously she's in denial about a lot of things. <laughs> about almost she's, everything. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, I mean, she's, she's, She's basically, you know, standing in for, you know, unfortunately, a huge percentage of the population, I, I feel like oh, um, absolutely. that that feel this way and they don't understand. Um, so, yeah, I, I it was hard for me to look at her as a person, actually, in this, because I think she's we don't get enough of her in the beginning. She's just an obstacle, you know, to get them on the road or whatever. Um, and, and then she, they don't really go in the, in the depth until much later. And by then I think it's just really too late. Um, so, exactly. They try to give her a redemption arc and it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it like doesn't the rest land. of the last 15 minutes of the movie, it doesn't really land. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't land. And, and, uh, I'm not just saying that this is, that it, it is written poorly at all. It's just that in this particular case, she's just serving a purpose here. And I, but I, I do agree that. Um, while the headline on this movie is, you know, elderly lesbian couple, et cetera, et cetera, I do see that, you know, this can be applicable to certainly, you know, as I get older and older, I can see that, yes, this does apply to uh, how society treats older people in general. Well, it's when it's, it, I, I mean, I've seen this happen, especially to women, but I'm not saying it only happens to women, but as you, especially in our culture, as you grow older, you basically become more and more invisible. It's like you don't even exist anymore and you certainly don't matter anymore. And I saw this a lot with, um, you know, all the caregiving I did with my own mother and how she was treated, how, how doctors dismissed her pain. Or uh, when she tried to ask a question or they didn't listen to her at all when she, you know, tried to tell them what was going on. And, uh, you know, that I think this movie speaks very 
profoundly about how how age is an issue that our culture does not at all deal well with that we that we just try to hide from and pretend doesn't exist. Yeah, the the older I get, the more things that I like that ail me. When I go to see a specialist, a doctor, whatever, um, I'm told, "Oh, that you're just getting older." <laughs> like, oh, that's that's just that's just because you're getting older. You need to just suffer through it. There's nothing really you could do about it. You just need to suffer through it. You know, you could do this, this, and this, but you just need to suffer through it. And and furthermore, I think it's even worse in some cases that it's not that they're invisible; it's they're a hassle. It's like it's much easier to like, you know, to take like mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or whatever, shove them in a home than to actually deal with them and, 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 and work with them on a, on a daily basis and take care of them because just, we don't, you know, our society doesn't, we don't have room for that. A lot of couples yeah. are just like, we don't have, we don't have time with this, that, and the other thing that I'm doing, I'm trying to make the money. I'm trying to pay the bills. Dah, dah, dah. I don't have time. Like just ship them off somewhere so that, uh, you know, somebody else can deal with it. I think also, interestingly, just in regards to the granddaughter, I think, as I say, the redemption arc at the end basically turned that that idea of how we treat elderly people on its head with, you know, the granddaughter took liberties with Dot because she was old and she wouldn't understand. And Dot shielded the granddaughter from her lifestyle and who she was because she thought the daughter wouldn't understand, that the daughter couldn't change. Um, and that sort of dichotomy of the, like the two age groups just knocking against each other and thinking that they're not going to understand the common, the commonality, even though we're all humans. And I think we can all understand the commonality of being human. It was interesting because, you know, you know, had a promise to her daughter that she wouldn't tell the granddaughter that she was lesbian. Right. And, you know, and that was part of the problem right there. And it's funny because the son-in-law, the grandson-in-law knew exactly what they were. And, you know, everybody knew. Yeah, everybody else pretty much knew. The granddaughter granddaughter was just blind as could be to it. And I wanted to strangle her at the very beginning of the movie when she was like, oh, well, it's going to go to the home and you know and be in there and you can you could stay here for a couple weeks till we evict you basically you know and it's like what you know because there was no gay marriage in the u.s at the for almost another 10 years or so and it was that that was the whole plot that they had to go up to canada because it was legal there already i think it's all about acceptance really isn't it i mean they go on this road trip to canada because you know they obviously want to be accepted as being a couple um and they meet this you know young man um who's hitchhiking and he basically becomes the he becomes the son they never had the accepting family unit that they've always all wanted and of course as plot goes on you find out that you know he's got a pretty awful family as it is and he wants a mother that he can look after and uh, you know that accepts him for who he is uh and yeah so i think the movie is a lot of tropes it is a lot of tropes (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i don't mind that because uh i i understand what they're trying to say and in fact they're true 
almost everything that they portray are things that that I've experienced or I've seen uh, people around me experience. Like, you know, the whole thing, one of the tropes in here is queer erasure, which we've kind of touched on, uh, which is, uh, you know, it, it's like the whole thing about how, you know, you'll you'll read an archaeological study about how perhaps they found some ancient poems. And the poetry is all about how, you know, Icarus loved his his best friend, uh, you know, they were Daedalus or whatever. They were like the most the closest guys ever and they went did everything together and they lived together for 40 years and and then you read the the paper on it and it's all isn't this lovely this poem this guy wrote about his best friend no he was writing it about his lover his partner his significant other and, you're right uh, and it takes it a um it, it queer erasure you know is one thing but i think it also takes it to a an interesting place in that um, being queer is fine so long as you fit in the box. Like the second there's any form of fluidity. So like the granddaughter can't accept that her grandmother is gay um, or, you know, has been in a gay relationship for 30 years because she was in a heterosexual relationship that and had a, her mother. Uh, and people can't seem to, and like that happens all like, I'm bisexual. Uh, honestly, the amount of people who are just like, get in a box, pick pick a box, get in it. and On both sides or on all sides, I should say. Well, exactly. And queer yes. people can be just as bad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I remember when I was younger and I knew an older lesbian who had been in a long-term relationship with a woman and then ended up marrying a man. And I had the hardest time <laughs> wrapping my head around. I absolutely admit it, wrapping my head around it because I had put her in a box. I had seen her as this one thing. And uh, wow, Mary, look, this is actually a human being who can um, experience other things <laughs> than what you might, you know, just see see her as on the surface. And uh, I mean, it actually, in the end, was a great eye-opening thing because it really brought it home to me how people change, people are different, people are not the same things all throughout their whole lives. Mm -mm. Um, there's a, a great, if I can just do a quick tangent, there's a great book by the um, queer comedian Mae Martin called Can Everyone Please Calm Down? About sex in the 21st century. And they talk about um, the, the sort of Lady Gaga um, born this way thing and how it's kind of really damaging in some ways because it can come from a place of leave me alone it's not my fault i'm born this way like you are you're born one way and that's the way you you stay and mm -hmm. that sort of attitude is i think exemplified in this film you know the granddaughter's just like no you're born one way or the other and that's it yeah i mean <laughs> the granddaughter is very very limited and rigid in her yeah, thinking yeah, as, yeah uh, and, 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 and so much so that i'm sure like, and I think she's even thinks of herself as not prejudiced, right? She thinks yes. of herself oh, as... Oh, they like, always do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I don't have a problem. Like, yeah. But, you know, she's like, I'm not stupid. It's like, yeah, you are. Well, yeah, you, really yeah, are. you, you know. She's or at least you. you're blind. You're willfully ignorant. Yeah. That's willfully ignorant and, and disrespectful to your grandmother. grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Disrespectful to the people who are right there. Um, I think, you know, th this movie has such a light tone. And it's this sort of comedy drama. It's very light. It's very sweet. It's got some very tender moments, a lot of tender moments. 
It's got some good humor to it. Um, it's got some really, you know, touching, sad moments, um, heartbreaking moments as well. Um, but it, but all the way through, I'm thinking like, you know, it, it's, it's sort of this light movie, but yet it's dealing with all these things that do not have to have, like, do they do not have to be, it does not, none of this has to be this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of the, it's yeah. wrong that things are like almost everything that they're dealing with, whether it's the, you know, going like, you know, the, the dealing with the age issues and, you know, the power of attorney and, and putting them in the, in a home and separating them and then having to go to Canada and, and all of this stuff is just having to lie when they go across the border. Everything is just wrong. It should not be this way at all. Like if everybody just left these two alone, it would have been fine. Like, like everything would have been fine. Now they wouldn't have had this like nice little adventure and we wouldn't have gotten to enjoy it. But, um, but I think, I think, uh, it needs to be said that, you know, ultimately this movie, like the, the thing you should learn about this movie is that none of this should really have to happen. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, it shouldn't and have to be this way. No, it shouldn't have to be this way. And, you shouldn't have to pretend to be what you're not just to be accepted or to even to get across a border into another country or a state. It's ridiculous. Well, it just it really shows how how keeping secrets damages relationships and how um, being forced into pretending uh, that you are something that that you are not. Uh, almost always leads to to some kind of damage, and uh, and and like like we were saying, it's not entirely Dottie's granddaughter's fault in the sense that she has been lied to her entire life right. about what is happening in this relationship, and and she's sort of taken that at face value. And should she have no? But you know, if she doesn't, then her entire worldview changes. Her 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 view on how honest her mother is changes and that's very threatening Mm -hmm. to a child and so in a way while i don't condone her actions i can understand how how that willful ignorance came about and have some sympathy for Mm. her well they're all human beings i mean that's they're not showing you anyone who is totally irredeemable they're not showing you anyone who is some Machiavellian um, mustache twirling villain, uh, two dimensional. They're all human beings that you can totally understand why they do what they do. Well, Prentice's dad is a dick. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Literally. You saw more of him than anyone else in this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, we yeah. saw all I, of him. I, yeah, I don't, I didn't see anything redeeming about him. No, did, did you get And the we sense- got to see all of him. Oh, did yeah. you get the yeah. sense that that Prentice's? I mean, obviously, there's there's some major deep thing going on with Prentice's father and how how he treats Prentice's mother and and Prentice. But did you get the feeling that that was because Prentice himself was was gay? That's what, that... what I was getting. I I kind of got that. I'm surprised they didn't really do anything with that because it seemed like there was a lot of stuff there in that house but then once they drove away it was just like nope doesn't matter (laughs) like it's just Mm -hmm. like you know and and i was like i thought some of that stuff was going to come up again and it it didn't really so it was a weird sort of 
detour uh, on this trip that that kind of went to some dark places. But um, and it's probably almost the darkest that this movie gets is is what happens in that house and that relationship and that tension there. Um, but then it's just kind of brushed off. And and that was that was weird. I didn't to be honest with you, I came out of there and I didn't know what to think of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was because, again, like it was reinforcing that relationship between, you know, that that new mother son relationship that's forming. <clears throat> One thing, uh, speaking of people's sexual identities, um, in regards to Dot and Stella, you're sort of meant to think, I, I feel like, that um, Dot is less comfortable with her sexuality because she hasn't told her family. But she seems more at ease with it. What I got from this film was Stella's constant posturing and angry and like antagonizing people is her being slightly insecure about her sexuality. She's constantly throwing it at people, waiting for them to attack because she's used to people attacking, attacking her based on that. No, that totally makes sense. Well, and no, she's constantly misgendered that. too. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that's why you've got this son, because um, Stella mellows over the course of the, the film. And, you know, she she plays that role in front of Prentice, you know, that trying to antagonize him. And he doesn't bite. He just accepts her for who she is. And then she sort of mellows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the role that he plays in this. Like, she needs someone to accept her for who she is. Mm-hmm. No, and that's the thing. Dot was accepting her as she was. And, yes. you know, and the love story between the two of them was beautiful. It truly oh, was a beautiful love story. Moving, when they're standing in the rain, it's just, it, it is one of the most quiet, beautiful, tender moments. No, agreed. And it was just, and it was washing all over them, and they were loving it because. It was just the two of them and nobody else. And that's what yeah, was wonderful about them. it. My, uh, my favorite scene, I think I think there's great chemistry between Dukakis and Fricker in this whole thing. Um, great uh, uh, great cast. Um, they both are doing an incredible job. And uh, But for me, the my favorite scene between them is uh, on the eve of their wedding and they're talking about you know, their, their mindset going into this and why, you know, they didn't like, you know, why they were hesitant to each one was hesitant to, 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 to get married. Um, and the fact that, you know, they didn't think for the longest time, it just never was on the table. It was never an option. So now that it is, it's like, well, what do you do with that? Um, and one person was, one of them was like, well, you know, because we couldn't, I hated everybody who was. I thought the institution was awful. And now, you know, I, I under, now that I can, I'm like, now I have to embrace that institution. That's, that's really weird. Like, um, and, and, and all of those things that go with that, it's like, it, that to me was really, really eye opening and really an incredibly written scene. No, very much so. Very, very much so. And the, just how the relationship, not only between the two of them, but then with Prentice too, that scene, the, the toast he gave at the bar was wonderful. And the caring and the thought of it was just, it was just amazing. It went on a bit long. 
I don't you can't tell me if you were in that bar, you wouldn't be like, oh, come on, just get on with it. No, <laughs> we've I, all been to weddings like that. Yeah, we've all yeah. Been yeah but they weren't Actually, at a wedding. That was pretty short considering some <laughs> no, of the weddings. Well, I well, they weren't at a wedding. They were just, I, I did like the straight wedding. I did like the fact that they, everybody in the bar was like, yay. And it was almost like they were saying, like the film was saying, you know, lesbians are okay in Canada, not in America, but not in Canada. <laughs> we always embrace them, even in like small little towns in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> no, and so I just, it was awful. Awesome. You know, at the end, though, what did Dot die from? Did she just have a heart attack, or she died from plot device? Yeah, right. she did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, well. she died from we have to kill off our gays trope. <laughs> you can like, have I, gays happy so long as they die at the end. Exactly. I was, I was so worried. I was like thinking, like I kept thinking, like please don't kill her, please don't kill her. Like he's, please don't. Kill her. And they, you know, the the sort of the attempted drowning or whatever the the accidental drowning that they almost went through i was like once we got past that i was like okay maybe no one's gonna die here like maybe we just do go home and live like nope (laughs) i was like damn it i i really hoped that they would they would do it right i even if you just you have a thing of they get home and they live a happy life even for a couple of weeks and she just dies peacefully in her home with Mm -hmm. her wife Mm -hmm. but I mean, again, now knowing that it's a stage play, um, I understand the quick bang, 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 why yeah, it has to well, happen. Well, it would have had to be truncated, but yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I knew, like, I I watched this for the first time fairly soon after it, it was available in the U.S., so I don't know, 2012 or whenever it was, and I knew. <laughs> I was watching, as soon as I was watching this, I was like, oh, they're going to kill one of them at the end, yeah. because that's what always happens. <laughs> At, at, especially at that time i mean mm-hmm. it's starting to change a bit now but it was i mean you know it, it it's this movie is often compared to thelma and louise and i don't think it's really a fair comparison mm-hmm. but in that sense it is because um it, you you just knew <laughs> that that yeah at least one of them was going to die at the end because gay people don't don't get to live happy lives at least not for very long in um relatively mainstream movies at least not not then and right. it wasn't that long ago <laughs> that that this was filmed and that's what was sad about it because you know i wanted to see them happy i want they were a really sweet couple and you know the scene at the, even at the courthouse was just wonderful and i'm glad she stood up to the granddaughter that when dot did that it was just Awesome. I loved when she did by the being professional Irish. It remind it reminds me of my grandmother. It really does. Uh mm-hmm. she, you know, my grandmother from was from Liverpool and she would grab you by the ear and yeah. Child yeah. abuse. Great. It, was, it was awesome. And <laughs> just for her to do that and finally like, no, you tried, you know, you basically tried to get power of attorney over me without my knowledge. And it was I'm glad she saw it. And that was, truthfully, that was the first scene I felt like Dot really stood up for herself in the movie. I think it showed that she wasn't powerless the whole time. Exactly. Uh, she she could look after herself and, um, you know, Stella could look after her. They could live happily together. They're, they're quite happy and healthy, which is why the sudden death is a bit... This kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, yeah, sure, they're in their 80s, but... Like, but yeah, yeah killing if, over if in the car. Them as being, 
yeah. I want to know who were the people in the courthouse. <laughs> I, I, I. There were a lot of people there. I was assuming yeah, they, they were other street. people. Maybe they all came from married. the bar. <laughs> I thought they were just there were other people in line to get married. Yeah, but, I, mean, I was with you. I was like, maybe they just came because they were like, hey, like last night we were at the bar. They they said there was going to be married. So let's go check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe they're just nice, supportive people who just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a queer wedding with no family well, and friends. What I think the technical be? term is background. They were background yes. people. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you they, are, were, they were their production assistants, brother. Exactly. <laughs> we have, we have the no eyeliner was on extra, point. You know, we, have no, we have no budget for extras. So here, just hop and get the get the, the best boy and the grip and the you know the main. Although, like, interesting choices. It was in a church, but it was a justice of the peace, which is an interesting choice to begin with. And also, how high was that pulpit? Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> it was, like, 20 feet tall. It's like you had to... <laughs> like, geez, don't, don't drop anything on anybody from yeah. up there. You'll kill them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, don't drop your Bible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lana it's, it's, from heaven. it's also interesting looking at this movie now as opposed to when it first came out, because when it first came out, marriage equality seemed very, very far away. I mean, farther than just the, about the 10 years it took in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, still under siege now with the way things are going. So so not a not a sure thing, I will say. But but back then, it just, I remember watching it and thinking, uh, I mean, I, it it was written in a way that, um, I mean, I think one of its main goals was to promote marriage equality, and that just seemed impossible back, back then. It really did. And and I do, I mean, also, as a queer person, I, I also had mixed feelings about the institution of marriage because, you know, sometimes all it is is a tool to oppress women. That's not what it has to be. That's not what it is all the time. But that what it is sometimes, in fact, quite often uh, used as. And so it wasn't something that I think, you know, queer people didn't necessarily want to be married. They wanted the right to visit each other in the hospital. <laughs> they wanted the right to live together. They wanted the right to not be harassed. I mean, I remember vividly back uh, in, during the the height of the AIDS crisis, having friends who were in hospital whose partners could not visit them unless they somehow snuck in, which sometimes they did, because you know there were sometimes you know allies among the medical professionals, but. Uh, you know, it, it was very hard for them to uh, to be connected with their with their loved ones. I had friends whose families did not allow them to go to the funeral. It's so that that was a very re- real thing that that was happening. And so, uh, you know, it 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 was it was very true to life to me to see this happen to Dottie and Stella to have have their rights taken away and to not be allowed to determine their own fates by somebody who had absolutely nothing to do with them as a couple who should not have had any any right at all to to delve into their lives and let and yet did so so easily and and even the policeman who doesn't really agree with her he goes along with it and he actually and you know and he goes along with it pretty easily yeah here in australia we got um marriage equality in 2017 
but after uh, what's called a plebiscite, which is basically a non-legally binding uh, opinion poll instead of actually a referendum. Um, and so we had to, you know, they sent out letters to everyone in the country and we had to, you know, do it. Um, we eventually got uh, marriage equality, but not after some of the worst campaigning I, I've ever seen. Because uh, in Australia, um, for some fun reason, um, any political advertising does not have to be true or factual at, in any way. Um, really? And they cannot, be, they cannot be held to anything. Because the only... Um, the only body that regulates any advertising is the community, um, the consumer commissions board, and they don't do political advertising. So um, the the image that always sticks with me is there's a there was a poster of a small child cowering in a corner with someone holding a looped belt that was a rainbow, and like this is the sort of stuff that we were going up against. Mm. Like these posters were everywhere, um, and yeah, like marriage equality seemed so far away, and like the amount of people who like you said, the institutions uh, for marriage, you've got people think about marriage as religious marriage, whereas what what we wanted was legal marriage, mm -hmm. whereby, you know, legally you're entitled to, you know, half of like, we weren't even recognized in, you know, uh, you know, long term relationships or anything like that. You know, now we are, but uh, yeah, being married just meant being able to have power of attorney, being able to visit someone in the, the hospital, being able to share property. Which being able to share like medical benefits. It just seems I mean, like it's... <laughs> well, we have socialized healthcare, but... Um... Yeah, most, okay. pretty much every okay. other industrialized country does. Now who's on, <laughs> now who's on the high pulp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking down right. at the rest of us here. Um, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it's, but no, you're right. Like just being able to share the things that non quit, like that straight people do that straight people take for granted. It's not about being married in the eyes of God and sure marriage was created as a religious institution, but now it's a legal institution. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, look, I think there's always going to be the people complaining and, you know, so oh, I don't want to make cakes for queer weddings. Well, you don't have to. No one's asking you if you're like, no one's actively going and searching you out if you don't want to make queer cakes and saying, right, mm -hmm, make me a rainbow cake. <laughs> or else. <laughs> or else. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you're right. Like this this movie, it is, it is hard to kind of think back to that because it's now been, you know, a bit better for a few years. But remembering that how hard that was and look it is it's one of those weird things looking at other countries that have it because of course america got um same-sex marriage before australia did and um you know looking at america and canada and the uk um and the the european union all having same-sex marriage and then thinking about other countries that still don't you know i shudder to think if someone's queer in russia um it yeah well, correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, but parts of America did, but not all, like all. Of it. it took a while. It was like a state by state. Well, there were a couple there was of states. state by states, yeah. Yeah, like Hawaii and Massachusetts um, Washington were a little state. quicker yes. on the uptake, though not, you know, not, not by a huge amount. But it was important. Um, it was important for that to be recognized countrywide. Um, yes. Absolutely. And because and like otherwise said, it doesn't like 
you know, because they even talk about it. It's like, well, what happens if you get married in Canada when you go back to Maine? Does it count? Right. Does Does it even mean anything? Right. You know, yeah. when when they did make it back to Maine, I mean, they didn't. <laughs> but it actually would have been interesting to see what happened. If well, you know? if they did, you know, now with uh, Dot passing away, you know, does Stella get the house, or is it not recognized in the United States? And it well, goes, it would have passed yeah. to her granddaughter. I'm sure yeah. to her daughter. I'm sure for well, daughter was around. dead already. Well, then it was going to pass to her granddaughter. I'm sure yeah. because that's the way it works. They wouldn't unless, re- have unless recognized she had a, Stella she, at all unless she had a will. Yeah, that didn't sound like that. No, I don't. I don't think she had a will. But if she had yeah. a will, yeah. So when I got married, um, the celebrant when in the prep for the the wedding um, was just like, "Now, are you married anywhere else?" no are you absolutely sure you're not married anywhere i'm like what are you talking about and she told me this story about this guy who came in uh and uh it got to like the day before the wedding he went oh i did kind of get married in thailand but that doesn't count here right <laughs> oh, the whole wedding had to be called off <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> wow but um yeah the funeral scene is kind of sour um I mean, the cringy dancing aside, um, (laughs) it's kind of sour because, you know, Stella's sitting next to the granddaughter and you're just like, five minutes earlier, if the granddaughter hadn't had her big epiphany and talked things out, Stella would not be allowed at this funeral. Like, this would be a really awful thing happening if what happened five minutes ago didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of hard when the movie flips it like that on you. Yeah, well, they are, I will say, that they're trying to stuff a lot (laughs) into a short amount of time. The movie's only an hour and a half. It's not like, you know, one of the three and a half hour movies we have today. It wasn't a Scorsese Uh, movie. No, it was not a Scorsese. (laughs) So, yeah, and then they are trying to pretty much say everything. Um, But I still think they do it well or as well as they can within that. I don't know. I mean, I think they could have lost the... um... They could have lost the whole going back over the Canadian border and getting strip searched thing. That like, yeah, that, whole... that that just felt kind of out of place. Um, the I mean, they just were trying to get a kind of a cheap laugh there. Yeah, Stella is uh, what we would call in Australia a shit stirrer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stella Stella's enjoying herself. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, she loved it when she walked by and she, watching him being strip searched. And yeah, she is literally him. sticking it to the man in that, <laughs> was, in that scene. Literally, and she was on the lollipop. Yeah, there wasn't any meaning there. The she thing. loves playing up being old. Yeah. But she she uses her age to her advantage wherever possible because she knows that people think that the you know the elderly are you know all gone in the head and totally useless yeah yeah i mean i I applaud her not apologize for being who she is no yeah i apologize i mean i i applaud her for that because i have seen (laughs) how how older people are treated and um yeah it it's it's ridiculous that our culture um is marginalizing the people who have the most experience and um life and otherwise 
you know, just think think of all, you know, that vast wellspring of, of knowledge and emotional experience that we are just throwing away because we cannot come to grips with the term that people, with the fact that people get old. Exactly. You know, you know get yeah. over it. <laughs> it's going to happen to all of us. There is not one person on this planet who is not going to get old eventually. If they live that well, I was going to say, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> I was gonna say. The, the alternative is not great. Um, yeah. no, no. But um, that's what my dad says, <laughs> I'm getting old, but think of the alternative. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, on the subject of Stella, too, I mean, I think really, you know, I mean, Brenda Frick and everybody else does a great job, but Olympia Dukakis really like excels in this. And, uh, you know, I was reminded that, uh, that, um oddly enough we 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 covered another one of we reviewed another one of her movies not too long ago when we did moonstruck and completely different you know character um it just shows the range of olympia dukakis and how she really was one of one of the greats and i'm not just saying that just because she was from massachusetts um but um my home state but uh but she really i mean to get to watch her uh act uh and perform uh especially like in a role like this i mean it's just incredible i think uh, i saw a thing where even brenda fricker was like out of all the films i've made like only a handful of them stand out and like this one this one was one of them uh that i moved forward as an actress because she was working with olympia right like i mean it doesn't get much better than that yeah the chemistry between them is just off the charts yes mm-hmm. yes I mean, Brenda Fricker had a habit of playing professionally Irish people. That was. <laughs> well, when I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute. That's the mom from So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, I was like, it's, I was like half the movie. I was like, I know that face. I know that face. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen her in much. I think the last thing I saw her in was my left foot, actually. Like that was how long ago. I don't really have seen her. In, I haven't seen mm-hmm. her in much. Do you want a B movie? I strongly suggest um, it's called Deadly Advice, <clears throat> Deadly Advice. And it's got Brenda Fricker in it playing um, a mother of two daughters. And one of the daughters um, starts hallucinating that she's seeing serial killers telling her to kill everyone. Um, it's hilarious. The British comedy. Just, yeah, check that out. But I think everybody else in this movie is is probably a Canadian actor. Maybe they're of some renown there. Um, but uh, um, they're solid. They're okay. But it's really those two that you know, and it should be. I mean, this is this is that movie for for them. And I think it's worth seeing just on their performances alone. I think uh, I think it's a real treat. And I'm and I'm glad that we um, that we covered it because this didn't get. You know, it opened. It's a small Canadian movie uh, about two elder lesbians. Of course, like shocker, it didn't like it didn't get huge box office numbers. I don't understand <laughs> what. Like that's crazy. Why? Right? You know, I mean, I mean, I feel like it, it would have done well at like a you know a small indie film festival. Oh, it did. It did. Oh, really it did. Well. It won I mean, several multiple. awards. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, Various like every film festival. film festival it was at, it seemed like it knocked it out of the park, mm-hmm. but. But it's available on two streaming services, yet I imagine that a lot of people who are watching this, listening to our show, never heard of this movie. It's really been under the radar, and I think that's a it's shame. It's not available because... in Australia. So, I, Not at all? Not at all. I had to use a VPN and watch it on Prime in the in the US. Wow. 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 
so it's definitely one that I think people should check Not that out because it's really this on the podcast. We don't condone that. No. A, a VPN yeah. is completely legal. I was going to say VPNs are legal. Subscription. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. I am so, not. I am, I am not I'm apologizing just, for my yeah. trusty VPN. No. He's, uh, yeah, just says, oh, it looks like you're traveling. Here, have <laughs> things that are available in the area you're traveling to. Yeah, Mike says just to talk us all talking about Doctor Who, and which you know some of us had to get from like different things from different sources that were not. I was lucky enough to have friends in Canada. <laughs> That's all I want to say. We're about to have to go back to that if they keep releasing things only on the iPlayer. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. be talking yeah. about that yeah, tomorrow. Yes. But, uh, you know, that actually, that that makes me think about how movies like this matter because representation matters. Yes. I mean, there are so few movies about older women, even fewer about older lesbians. And uh, so it was so important for me to see stories like this on the screen. And, um, you know, the, we need to acknowledge how our society treats people who are not young, white, straight, male Christians, you know? <laughs> That's actually a very small subset of our society and yet has all this power that, that we give to them. Uh, the rest of us are not less than human because we do not fit into that mold, even though that's how society treats us sometimes. And the only way to change that is is to be honest uh, about what people really are. You know, we're 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 beautiful chaos. We're a glorious spectrum of color, sexuality, gender, and and more. And so, my hope is that um, segments like like this on ESO and our in our own small way is is helping to honor and celebrate those stories, so so people can find them and and know that there are other people out there like them know that they are not alone because we see you we absolutely see you and that that's the reason why we um we talk about movies like this we we want everyone to be a part of the story oh very much so very very much so one that's of the reasons why, why doing this segment is so in, like doing this three four times a year is important to us because mm -hmm. it's it's uh you know um I've I've learned. I mean, yeah, it's fun to you know get a, a slant on big hits that we've talked about before, but also to to bring attention to these smaller films that are under the radar for most people. Um, I think that shouldn't be, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, the only way for stories like this to to be made is is um, you know, either privately funded or very small studios or studios, you know, small studios that are going out of their way to make movies outside the mainstream. And it's still that way. And in some ways, it's getting harder to uh, to make indie movies. And, and uh, I think it's so important for that not to go away. Um, you know, streaming services kind of became a uh, a panacea kind of a way for for stories like this to to be seen and now they're starting to clamp down on that and uh which i think is very sad and uh i really hope that 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 we can continue to continue the fight to keep uh everybody's voice heard i agree completely it's all about getting you know everyone's voice it's all different you know whatever you're into whatever where you're coming from everyone's voice should be heard and that's what we're trying to do here on eso and we are not going to stop doing it as long as you know any of us are 
breathing, we're always going to continue to speak out against this and, you know, and up for anybody. And, you know, that's, and the world is getting more and more split. We've talked about it tons and I'm not going into any soapbox or anything, but it's all about, you know, being able to freely talk about whatever is on your mind. And that's what this podcast is about. And thank you, Mary, for bringing this up. This was awesome. Oh, absolutely. And, and thank you all of you so much for joining me and uh, talking about one of my one of my favorite movies. And I really encourage everyone to go out and watch it if you haven't seen it. And uh, next next time, I am hoping to talk about a movie called But I'm a Cheerleader, which is a comedy about being sent to a conversion camp. Oh, God. <laughs> wow so that should be very interesting to talk about it's it's one of the more i don't know controversial movies in the gay community in a way um as i don't know most of them probably are thanks mary we appreciate you so so much um let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment and we are going to take a trip to the creative outlet Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. It is time to talk about the next Marvel movie in theaters, which is called, coincidentally, The Marvels. Now, this is a movie that I am personally looking forward to simply because the Disney Plus show Ms. Marvel is one of my favorite um, of the stories in the recent phase of the MCU, actually. And I'm just so excited to see this character again, particularly on the big screen. And as a cat lover, I mean, it looks like there's going to be so many flurkins in this movie. I think it's wonderful. I think it's magical. Super excited for this. What is giving me a little bit of a pause is I honestly have no idea how this is going to go down at the box office. I've been starting to see an increase in articles about entertainment analysts kind of breaking down what's going on with the MCU right now and how it doesn't occupy quite as much of the pop culture imagination as maybe it used to in the glory days of Avengers Endgame. In some ways, I think it's just natural, like all franchises are going to ebb and flow, like Star Wars has had its time where its peak pop culture has kind of faded into the background a little bit. It's just natural as a superhero genre occurs. I don't think that superhero fatigue is necessarily what we're seeing. I think maybe people are just kind of disconnecting, not as enjoying as much the type of content that Marvel is putting out. The multiverse is pretty wild and wacky when you're thinking of general audiences. It's maybe hard to connect all this and they're missing classic characters like Black Widow, Iron Man, and things like that. So I'm also kind of worried about the Marvels because it's drawing heavily on characters from TV series Disney+. Plus. Is everybody caught up on all those things? I just feel like I don't hear the general public talking as much about keeping caught up with all the Marvel stories as they used to. I hope this does well, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it wasn't as much as some of the other recent Marvel movies we've seen at the box office. That's it for this week's box office buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog content over on the ESO Podcast website. 
Tune in to The Con Guy Show. Con as in Comic-Con. We are Hollywood filmmakers and super fans who cover all the news of the con universe, including the films, the TV shows, the streaming series, the experiences, and the events that fuel your fandom. If you'd find it at Comic-Con, then you'll find it here. Now in our seventh year, The Con Guy Show is a proud member of the ESO Network. Hey there, now it's time for the creative outlet segment. And this time we have our friend Jim Beard back and he has a great project he's going to talk to us about. I'm going to do that right now? Yes, right okay. there. <laughs> <seconds. Yes. laughs> Howdy, Jim. Well, what are we here talking about? Uh, uh, oh, you guys are the ones who invited me. We're not you know yeah. going to talk about. I can't, you know, it's backwards. When it, thank you. Look at that. There it looks, there it looks correct. Yeah, it looks it looked correct on YouTube. It just looks too for you too. And so our YouTube Uh, people are seeing it perfectly proper. (laughs) Zoom is just weird that way. A book that Michael will be more than familiar with. Uh, So I just came out with the uh, the newest volume in the uh, Memories from Today's Grown Up Kids series that I do, Uh, and it is now uh, focused on Star Trek, classic Star Trek. So it's all, it's like deep memory dives into uh, watching classic Star Trek as kids. And uh, I, this guy right down here uh, is is one of those grown-up kids. I, uh, I Well, grown-up, you know, is a... I wouldn't go I, that know, far. We'll, Come we'll on. Put that in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> but uh, no, I am... Uh... When I when I heard about this project, I was so eager and I'm so honored to be part of this. Um, I love, as anybody who listens to this podcast, and certainly Mike has has heard me for more than 13 years talk about how much I love Star Trek and, okay, and yes. how how influential. I can't I can't think of another pop culture thing, mm-hmm. be it music, be it movies, be it whatever, that has impacted my life as much as Star Trek has. Wow. I mean, um, that's that's an incredible statement right there, you know, in yeah. itself. And and I know a lot of your fellow writers in this book felt the same way. And, you know, all of them said that to me. And and to me personally, I think it really comes through in each and every essay here. So uh, what I did is I asked everybody to think back to that first time that they encountered the show. And then to talk about it, I mean, to really dig into it. And, and just so everybody out there knows is what we were focusing on is, is childhood recollections and observations. I mean, we can all sit here now as, and then you can put this one in quotes, adults. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and take, take it apart and, and look at it and everything. But I really wanted everybody to really knuckle down and, and talk about you know, instead of dissecting Mr. Spock today and going into, you know, all the levels of whatever, what did you think of him as a kid? You know, um, and if it was some kind of nutty thing that like only a kid could have thought about or thought up, that's what I wanted to hear. And I think it really came through uh, in this book uh, with everybody's uh, reminiscing about the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's what I love about the series that you do with these books, because, I mean, anybody can pull up Wikipedia and, you know, there's obviously there's countless books uh, have that have been written about documenting behind the scenes and in front of the scene uh, in front yeah. of the screen of what happened on Star Trek and everything like that. But these are 
these are people who um, this is full of people who have have some of them have got a chance to work officially in some capacity with Star Trek yeah. and 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 what they felt like what was it about that that first encounter with the Enterprise and its crew like what was it that sparked them to be inspired yeah yeah and that's one thing that I uh, wanted to make sure that happened in the book is that there was plenty of people who went on uh, to actually a lot of them are Star Trek novelists uh, uh, which, you know, again, was really important for me to have. The other thing that I wanted to do, and Michael, you hit a really, hit on a really good point there, is that there is a lot of books. You, you know, if you want to know the ins and outs of the behind the scenes and, you know, uh, starting with Gene and going from there, then there's plenty of that out there. But when you get down to uh, a personal reminiscing like that, there really isn't a whole lot, other than William Shatner has his Star Trek Memories book, but which i think he's got i think he's got four of them at this point <laughs> we, were, we were actually beating the first one i guess the first i think they've recently been reprinted or something like that we for a while we were actually <laughs> on top of the the charts above him but one of the things that kind of concerned me in a way is that i think classic star trek is kind of slipping away a little bit there is so much star trek now beyond that and and classic Star Trek in itself has been rebooted. Uh, you know, today the focus is on Star Trek Strange New Worlds and the animated shows. And and honestly, to my point of view, uh, in my opinion, I think that the, the original 60s show is kind of starting to slip away as far as people maybe not talking about it as much or... or um, people's memories of it just getting a little you know dimmer as we go along and i really wanted uh to do a love letter to that show and that's not putting down any other star trek property whatsoever right but rather right. than rather saying let's all stop for a moment and and remember where it began uh because it's really important everything that show did and long before anything else came along uh, uh like it yeah, yeah. If you had reached out to everybody, uh, a whole bunch of people, and said, "Hey, I want to ha collect a book of essays on, you know, what's wrong with Star Trek now compared to back then," I'm sure you would have gotten like five thousand entries, <laughs> if if not more, right? Like, yeah. like that's not. But that's not. I'm glad that that's not what this book is about. It's about like, you know, not like not to to dissuade anybody from enjoying New Trek. It's not about New Trek versus Old Trek. No. Um, it it isn't about that at all. It's oh, it's about like just this singular thing that happened, uh, and it happened like a couple times because it happened in its original run, and prime time, and then it happened again for a lot of us, like myself, in syndication. Yeah, where yeah. we were introduced to something that we, nobody had seen before. Uh, and that and, and that was the other thing that that was okay in this one a lot. In a lot of the other memories books, the volumes that came before there. You had to, you know, to be in the book, you had to actually be there at the time. The Dark Shadows book is a good example. This um, one, I said, it doesn't matter when you first encountered the classic series. I, you know, I want I want you in the book. I, I want you to talk about it. And if anybody out there is thinking, oh, well, you've got, you know, 25 essays and they're all going to be about the same. Everybody's going to say the same thing. There is so much variety in this. And it's exactly what I wanted. Uh, there is... So a lot of lighthearted uh, anecdotes, and there's some that are not as lighthearted. 
where people were maybe in a difficult time uh, as a kid. Something was going on, and Star Trek was literally the beam of light in their in their little lives at that time, and that's something that they've carried forward uh, with them. So you're going to get a lot of infinite diversity and infinite combinations in this book. See what you did there. See what you did there. Impressive. Uh, it is an amazing collection, and thank you so much for spearheading for being the captain of our of our uh, endeavor there. Because uh, I know it's not easy doing, uh, you know, uh, doing my own anthologies. It's not an easy task. Um, but uh, but boy, you know, it can be so rewarding. And looking at all these uh, essays that I've got a chance to read so far. Uh, even the, the man, I got to give a shout out to the cover artist too, because the cover art's just really fun too. Thank you. I've been getting a lot of compliments on that, and and the the compliments all all go to Ron Hill, uh, my artist on that. It, it was exactly what I wanted. Uh, he's got a little Jack Davis vibe going on, and yes, there, and I was so glad that they came through. How many people have come up to me and said, "I recognize those toys. <laughs> they were terrible, but I recognize those toys." So we had the kids are holding on that cover are all real Star Trek toys. Why they were Star Trek toys, no one seems to know, but they were actually uh, Star Trek toys. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, it's uh, of course it's available at uh, at all booksellers, right? Particularly Amazon, right? That's correct, and and both uh, for ebook and uh, print editions. Excellent, excellent. Uh, real quick, anything new? Like you working on another one already, or is this there, uh, we, there, what else do we have to look forward to? There will be a sixth volume of the series. We're taking a little break. Uh, we I've done I did like four volumes in two years of of the of, of the series. So we're taking a little bit break. Uh, normally it would be early next year, but it's probably going to be later next year. And there's a little bit of debate going on internally at Becky Books of, of what the theme is going to be. We've got we've narrowed it down to two. And uh, and we haven't really decided yet, but I promise it's going to be really fun. It's going to be two that are going to be really hard to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I look forward to it. Though the Batman books were great, uh, Thank you. and I love those. And uh, and I've just only recently got into Dark Shadows, so I don't know if uh, that's going to be on my horizon. But I am sure that you do those as a service as well. But the Star Trek book is. Is it came out so wonderfully, and I'm again thank you for uh, having me be part of that. Thank you. Your enthusiasm makes it all worthwhile. I'm I'm so glad that you you know you brought all of that to to the book to your essay. So uh, where can people go to find you online to see to to keep track of what's next? Yeah, Facebook uh, is it's the page is called the Jim Beard and Becky Books page. So drop me a line there, or uh, I am at, at Twitter slash X. <laughs> at writer jim beard or or you know if you want to just see all the books pop over to amazon put in my name under books and you're going to see everything there and uh, make sure you take a look at the other volumes in this series i'm sure you're going to find something that you'll like other than classic star trek absolutely absolutely that is awesome jim thanks for joining us tonight we do appreciate it thanks for letting me dock here again guys (laughs) let's take a quick break and we will close up the show Hey, everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment, rounding up just a few random unrelated events that happened in the world of music this past week. 
As you probably had heard, uh, a new slash old Beatles song was released this week called Now and Then with John Lennon on vocals. You can stream the making of documentary and also the official video that came out this week. Both the song and the video made heavy use, of course, of CGI and AI uh, for effects. The official video is uh, a little weird and unsettling, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And also this week, the Rolling Stones' new album, Hackney Diamonds, made the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart, making them the first act of any kind to place an album on that chart in seven, count them, seven different decades. I don't think that record is going to be broken, at least not anytime soon. And also, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame season ended this past Friday the 3rd with the induction ceremony from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. It was a four-hour, 23-minute affair, as most award shows tend to go a little long. Uh, Had some very interesting moments, as they always do. Uh, I think a new addition performing for the Spinners was a definite and unexpected highlight. Uh, St. Vincent tackled Running Up That Hill for Kate Bush. Um, Missy Elliott tore the place down as the headliner. Uh, H.E.R. performed for Shaka Khan. Anytime she shows up, you know things are going to be great. Uh, A lot of very interesting musical moments. You can check the full-length version out on Disney Plus uh, at least until January 1st. On New Year's Day, ABC will air a heavily edited two-hour version just in time for the whole merry-go-round to start up again because in January they will announce their next slate of nominees. And so it goes. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and we'll catch you next time. For over six years, the 42 cast has worked to provide panels discussing topics from every corner of the Geekosphere. Continue with us as we count down to episode 200 and try something a little different. Celebrity Guest Contributions Yes, Emma Dumont from The Gifted is partnering with us to talk about science, movies, and so much more. You can only find this great content on The 42 Cast. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about how to act when entering a costume contest. There has been so much talk recently after someone who entered a rather large costume contest lost and then went to the internet saying that they should have won or that the person who did win paid off the judges or that they didn't deserve their award. This is what we call not losing gracefully. When you enter a contest, sometimes you will win and sometimes you will lose. It's just how life is in general. It will be an absolutely awesome experience when you win, and it will suck and be disappointing when you don't. It's just how it is. However, if you can't handle losing, then maybe you aren't prepared to enter contests because you get the good and the bad with both. I've been judging costume contests for over a decade, and it's so hard to choose winners for contests. And I know that a lot of people aren't in the judging room, and they don't hear how these costumes are made. They only see them on stage. So many people put so much into their costumes, they do amazing work, and it's really, really hard to choose the few who get the prizes. This past weekend, I was able to judge at a con, and there were so many amazing costumes, and it was incredibly hard to pick who got what prizes. 
And it hurt my heart to not be able to give awards to so many other costumes that I thought were absolutely amazing. I do try to at least go and talk to those costumers afterwards and tell them how much I loved their costume and how amazing it was, since hearing encouragement does make some people feel better about the work that they did, even if they didn't win. But when competing, there are always times that you may not win, so learning to enjoy the process or performing if you're at a con that has a contest like that is way better than expecting an award every single time. Since you meet so many amazing people at cons and in contests who may become incredible friends over the years, I know I have a lot of friends that I have just met because I entered in contests at conventions. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Kieran, you made it through your first episode of Earth Station One. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy talking with you guys. Oh, it's always a blast, my friend. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Oh, by the time this comes out, um, the first two episodes of my new Doctor Who podcast, please attend carefully, will be out. Um, Yay! Check that out. Um, You can go to pzinner.com.au to check that out if you want. That is awesome. That is awesome. And Mary, bless you for picking this. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed talking about it with you guys. Anything you want to shout out about or promote? Well, you can find my artwork at mariogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Okay, that's perfect. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one. We didn't. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, yeah, uh, just real quick, um, you know, October spooky season is over. We did our countdown to Halloween episodes and I, uh, finished up, uh, my marathon of spooky movies. I think I ended up watching 22, 23, uh, classic horror movies or horror movies, whatever you want to call them, uh, uh, over the course of October. So now it's time for November uh, my birthday month, and so I am picking uh, another genre to spotlight, and I am calling it Noir-vember, because I'm Noir-vember. talking all of I'm focusing on film noir, and uh, so I've got, I don't know how many movies I'm going to get through. It's not going to be a movie a day, uh, but I'm going to try to watch as many as I can this month, and I will be posting all about it and my various social medias, as well as uh, those people who are uh, members of the letterbox app uh, if you are a member that uh, shoot me an invite or a friend request or however that works and then we can get connected that way and uh, and you can check out some of the movies I've been seeing that is awesome sir that is really really awesome you know what I'm going to do a nice little shout out um, Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees actually just came out with a new CD and he was actually up in Athens Georgia to help promote it um, he did Mickey Dolan's Sings R.E.M. And it is awesome. It's a four disc set that just came out this last Friday. And he does a great version of Shiny Happy People, Radio Free Europe, Man on the Moon, and Leaving New York. And they he did a signing up there. Um, the folks from Monkeying Around podcast were there. 
a couple other friends were up there and there was probably close to a thousand people up there to see Mickey Dolan's. And it was just awesome. See Mickey Dolan's and R.E.M. And R.E.M. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, R- when they say R.E.M., it wasn't the whole band. Um, Bill Berry actually joined them because Bill Berry left the band back in 97. And it was interesting to see him out because he doesn't go out in public all that much anymore. Uh, but you also had uh, Mike Stipe there and you also had Peter Buck. So it was actually. And I think they cool. all three performed, like all of them performed. Yeah, they uh, all performed a song or two, uh, song on, or on, the two or something. on the roof. They did. I know Peter Buck was doing some monkey tunes with the uh, cover band that was mm-hmm. up there. So it was, it's, you could find all the stuff that they were doing. It was at the, what's it called? Wuxty Records in Athens. And it's pretty awesome. And you definitely can check it out and check. You can get the CD that I, you know, anywhere you get your CDs from. You can stream it on Apple. You could stream it on Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or if you want to actually go the old fashioned way and actually have a hard copy of it like this. You can actually pick it up at Amazon or wherever you buy your CDs. So it's pretty awesome. Definitely worth checking out. All right. That's going to wrap up the episode for tonight, as always. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Air Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our T Public store and get some really cool ESO network swag. I actually owe Mary a couple designs that I've come up with for the T-shirts. So she's going to be a taskmaster soon and get me going with that also remember if you want to listen to the show before the rest of the world why not join the eso network patreon for as little as a dollar a month you could help support the air station one podcast check us out patreon.com slash eso network we also want to hear from you so please write us at feedback at earthstation one.com remember you could also find earth station one wherever fine podcasts are found and now earth station one can be found in video format and youtube and as a little bonus for watching us up on youtube We now have extra material up there, so you can check it up on YouTube on our channel with no extra cost. If you made it this far into the podcast, why not like and support our podcast? You know, it's real super simple. All you have to hit is the support button, subscribe button, depending where you're listening or watching. Also give us a thumbs up or rate us with stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks again, of course, on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Mary Ogle. And Kieran Moffat, thank you so much. We appreciate you all. We will see you next time. Be safe. Hug your loved ones. And you know what? Just have fun. Peace. And we are done. Ciao. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on 
the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.